Hey guys, Corey here with Bowhunting365. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button because every week we're going to be talking about everything related to bowhunting. Whitetail strategies, other big game strategies, archery setups, gear reviews, and a lot more to come. So go ahead, kick back, and enjoy the hunt. Hey guys, welcome back to another podcast. Uh, today I want to talk about our equipment and how to utilize it better. Um, so long story short, I've been shooting bear for uh, roughly 12 years. And uh, you know, every year I'd go out, grab a new bear bow, try it out, or whichever bear out of that line, try them out, and they would be great, pick out whichever one I liked the most, shoot them, do that year after year after year. Well, this year I've been doing a lot of research and ultimately I'm shooting a Matthews now. So what I want to talk about is I want to talk about your ability to try new things. I mean, how important is it that we try new things in archery? Because are we doing ourselves a disservice by shooting the same bow every year in and out and not pushing these manufacturers to continue to grow and make better bows. I'm not saying anything against Bear. Bear's got some good bows out there and I've shot them for years, like I said. But uh, when you get to the next level, you kind of want to know what what pushes bows apart. You know, like for instance, what I was looking for in a bow, and I've noticed, is when I was shooting my 3D League or my uh, Paper Target League, Five Spot, Vegas, whichever, um, I would always start to wear down at the end, and I noticed how much hand shock was making a huge difference to my shots. And it feels like the tighter you get, the more vibration in that bow, it just magnifies. For me, anyway. I'm not saying this is for everybody. but uh, So I started researching that because that's something I knew I needed to improve on. And just watching the YouTube videos, uh, wow. I couldn't believe how much hand shock, or how little hand shock was in the Matthews and the Hoyts, the Hoyts were the other ones. Uh, ultimately, I went with the Matthews. Um, I picked up a Matthews V3, so it's a year-old bow, uh, but I got it for a really good deal, and I just went out and shot that bow, uh, and I was blown away. And it really makes you wonder, what else are you missing? in the archery world, you know? So literally the day I did that, I ended up going to a local pro shop and saying, hey, give me three of your arrows that you agree, or that you uh, really like. So I did that, they ended up being Black Eagle Spartans. Uh, and then I also, then I went to a step farther and I said, uh, let's pick a vein that you really like, throw it on there, do what you want. I want this to be your best arrow if you were going out of the field shoot broadheads, what would your best arrow broadhead combination be? I want to try it out. So this basically, long story short, leads us into trying new things, right? So uh, I ended up doing that, and uh, they, they really they fly really well. Where he ended up going Black Eagle Spartans, uh, Tack Veins, uh, right helical. And they fly really well. Actually so well, I only got three of them, and I went back to 30 yards and broke a knock off of one instantly. And uh, 
So I guess that's my thing is like, why do we not push these manufacturers to the next? You know what I mean? If we're sitting with one brand, we're saying, hey, I don't care what Matthews puts out there. I don't care what Hoyt puts out there. I'm a bear shooter. I'm a Matthew shooter, vice versa. Um, you want to know what what the difference between the bows are because if you find out one's producing better, the lack of sales is going to ultimately say, hey, we need to change something up with our bow. So, uh, like I said, I have nothing against bear. These are just, I mean, I would want this to be pushed on every bow manufacturer. Um, but basically what I want to get down to is not just trying new bows. We need to try different arrows, different arrow, uh, vein combinations. You know, I got those black Eagle Spartans, uh, threw those in and I was shooting those. And when I threw my broadheads on, I had a lot of, uh, inconsistencies. So I started diving into more, um, I started diving more into the builds of the arrows. Uh, and one thing I noticed is my pro shop, and he's a great guy, I always go there for everything. Uh, he did not square my arrows after cutting, and I could plain as day see it once I started looking into it. So now we gotta start looking at these tiny details. Um, but after I got them all squared up, they shot a lot better. Uh, but we really need to try to do different combinations of things you know broadheads switch your broadheads up if they're shooting good that's fine but what's out there is better you know if we're shooting you know for instance a broadhead with a one inch cut and we're just saying hey it's doing great i ain't got no complaints but there's an inch and a quarter broadhead fixed blade that's shooting the exact same way why are we not pushing a bigger hole through that animal because in the end it ultimately means that the animal suffers less, better blood trail, less chance of losing it, the more ethical shot possible taken. Um, so these are things we all got to think about. And I know these things can get expensive, but we really need to think about other ways to cut out the cost. You know, like for instance, I've been trying out some broadheads lately. Uh, I went on eBay. You know, there's other great resources out there. There's this just goes with bows and everything. You can get on Facebook. You know, they got there's a bunch of groups on there. Everybody knows about them. A lot of them will ship to your house. Just be careful when you do that, though. You don't want to get scammed or anything. So do your research on those people. But eBay is a great source because you know you're not going to get scammed on there. And if you do, they're back. They'll back you up and get your money back to you. So uh, I went on eBay, and there's a lot of times people got used broadheads. Not even used, they're just out of the package. Shot once, didn't like the way it flew. So uh, you could pick those up for, you know, half the price, or if not more, and uh, just to try these things. And then if they don't work out, use eBay as a resource or these Facebook groups as a resource to resell. Sometimes you can even make a couple bucks on it. Um, because I know it's expensive, it sucks, but uh, I think we as archers and as hunters owe it to ourselves to try every possible uh, every possibility I mean to get into different combinations of everything try finding that perfect setup and you know when you do get to that perfect setup you gotta also be open-minded to say hey that perfect setup might be different next year or maybe not next year it might be a five-year plan um, so I'm really going through that right now because, you know, the arrows and things, I'm actually between Black Eagles, been shooting those pretty good. 
Uh, I really like the way they spin with those tack veins. But uh, I picked up some Deer Crossing, which if you guys haven't heard about Deer Crossing, I highly recommend you go check them out. Um, I've been shooting their Tine Droppers. It was a cheap arrow. I got them at their uh, bow show in Ohio here, uh, Deer Turkey Expo. And I've been shooting those for, I don't know, I bet five years. And they're a cheap arrow, but they've been reliable. I mean, I haven't had any complaints. The only reason I'm switching it up is I had last year, I shot a uh, big 12-pointer. Depends if you how you guys count it. It has 12 points, but two of them don't count because they're an inch or less. Um, so I shot him last year with, let's see, it was a Muzzy Trocar Hybrid. And, you know, I've only lost one deer before this season in the 12 years of hunting. And I've always shot muzzies, I've shot wasp, all fixed blades. Uh, never really played with the expandables, but I know that we were hunting this hay field down in Southern Ohio. Um, and I knew that my cousin had shot a doe down there a couple years ago. And I knew it was really hard to find blood on that grass, that green grass. So uh, I wanted something that would pour the blood out and make it more obvious, you know? So I went out and I I got these Trocar hybrids, and um, the Trocar hybrids, I think the cut is two inches. Um, well, let me just look it up here for you guys. Yeah, so your cut out, your cut on these Trocars is two and five eighths total cutting surface. So you have a one inch fixed blade diameter. So that's kind of like your bleeders on the side and then your um, expandables go out to inch and five eighths. So it puts a big hole in it. And it did, it put a big hole in my buck I shot this year. Um, and the only thing that I can say I hated about them, I mean, they flew amazing. I practiced with them all summer out to 70 yards. Just, you know, I'm not shooting deer at 70 yards. I'm just practicing as closer it gets. The easier the yardage is or whatever so uh i've been practicing with them year round and they were shooting great flying great and then opening weekend i went down to southern ohio on that hay field i had a doe at 35 yards and i shot her and when that arrow hit it kind of kicked sideways and i kind of i was worried so we gave it till dark and i shot it early too so i gave it a few hours and uh I thought maybe I hit just a little bit back, but the arrow didn't go all the way through it. And the way it hit, you could see it hit and it just kicked. I thought maybe it was the way she was moving, turning, but uh, I couldn't quite figure out what happened. I never did find my arrow back on that deer. Uh, I ended up losing her. We went in and tracked her that night. We found some uh, gut remnants on the ground and just one small spot of it. So I ended up grid searching it for the next two days in that area we are hunting, and I never did come across her. And that would have been the second deer I've lost in my 12 years of hunting. Um, so I was like, hey, you know, I put it up with, I made a bad shot. It happens as much as it kills me to have that bad shot happen. Uh, so I went in, and uh, later in that season, probably three weeks later, I had a shot on a big 12-point. And, uh, I mean, put a absolute dime of a shot. I shot it so perfect. 
the arrow didn't go all the way through, but I could see it sticking out the other end. And my knock, I have a lighted uh, nocturnals. They were just absolutely perfect. I mean, you could see exactly where I hit, and I was like, this is a dead deer. So I gave it about two hours, and uh, I called up my cousin and said, hey, get over here, man. I shot the big one we've been chasing for a couple of years. And he shows up, and we get on the blood instantly. And I mean, absolutely pouring blood. So we were really excited, had bright red blood. I thought this deer was done. And uh, I also want to note at this point, too, that like most of my deer that I shoot with a fixed broadhead has gone completely through it. So this deer, or for this broadhead not to go all the way through, it kind of concerned me. But like I said, I thought the shot was so good. There's no way this deer isn't dead by now. So we tracked at about 200 yards and I lost blood. Um, bright red blood and then it just slowly came down to just a trickle and then nothing. So I decided that the best option for that night was to back out and we would come back the next morning with the tracking dog. And uh, we came in with the tracking dog the next morning. Uh, big mistake I made on my part and I know everybody always says it but you know I was so confident in my shot that I thought this deer was dead that uh, whenever I went to the woods, I didn't bring my bow with me. And the tracker even was like, hey, you need to bring your bow with you. So at that point, I sent my cousin back to grab another bow or to grab my bow out of my truck. And we just proceeded to go forward so he could get started on the track. And uh, when we got out there, we still didn't find any more blood. And uh, the dog kind of got off. I don't think he was tracking uh, the deer because I think what happened is he got on our scent maybe we stepped on something of those glands that those deer release whenever they're in distress but I think he walked through the woods and he was following our feet print because we kind of backtracked to the edge to see if we couldn't find any blood and I think he got on that so we ended up on the opposite side of the woods where I shot the deer and my cousin walked in on the side that I did shoot the deer with my bow and he ended up kicking that buck up the buck was still alive. I actually have the trail camera pictures. Uh, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast, and I'll throw some pictures up on Instagram so people can see it. But he kicked that buck up, and it actually went right in front of our trail camera we have over there. And you could actually see the hole coming out the other side of the deer and the blood coming out of it. Um, and it looked like a great shot. So at this point, I'm just saying, how is this deer still alive? But he ended up running right up to us probably 20 yards and uh, still alive but you could tell he was hurt and I don't think I would have had a shot opportunity but at the same time uh, if I would have had my bow I think I would have tried you know what I mean to put that animal out of its misery but uh, we ended up tracking this deer for oh I want to say a mile and a half and we'd bump him up and he'd just start pouring blood and you know we felt like we were doing the right thing by pushing and getting that blood to pump out of him get him to uh to pass away so that you know he's not in pain anymore or at least get another shot on him so we took this tracking dog for another mile and a half and he actually ran across the highway at which point i didn't have permission to get to these woods anymore so uh we backed out and i called it a night um well i didn't call it a night i called it an afternoon i guess because i actually went to the people's permission to get permission for the woods that he ran into it's just a real small thicket right next to a big uh river and uh, I got permission from these people to go in and track it. And I got out there and I lost all blood. I mean, I went up and down, grid searched the spot, could not find him. And uh, 
pretty much decided that he was going to either die or live. He's going to die without me finding him or live and uh, uh, survive the shot, which just absolutely made no sense to me because I know I put a good shot on him. And uh, I'm going to put the video or the pictures that I have of this deer and the shots I have because you guys can see I'm not even stressing. Like I put a good shot on this deer. And it's really what's made me really question my whole setup because I never want to go through this again. I want to make sure that any deer I shoot dies quick and uh, no struggles whatsoever. But uh, we ended up, I ended up calling it a night because we didn't find anything else. Uh, I drove around the block kind of looking for buzzards or anything. Wasn't seeing anything. Kind of looked down the river, didn't see anything. Um, so I ended up kind of just calling it on him. It was two days later at this point after my shot. And uh, actually later that night I was sitting here at home and I got a call from one of my buddies, or a good friend I should say. He, uh, I went to school with him or whatnot and he called me and he said, hey man, he's like, I saw you got, a, got permission from my grandpa because he actually owns part of that field. We got permission to uh, go look for this deer. He's like, hey, I saw you got permission from my grandpa. Are you looking for a deer? And I said, yeah. I said, he's a 12-pointer. I said, he might be a 10 if you want to count the kickers or whatever, if you don't want to count the kickers. And uh, so I ended up, he ended up telling me, he said, well, I found him. And I said, well, what do you mean you found him? I thought he was messing with me at this point, but he was not. He, uh, he had found my buck. He actually bedded down in that river sometime that day and deceased. Um... So we went out there and he, we actually, when I gutted him, he was still warm. So he had to have just done it like cold water flowing around him. I'm sure would cool the body pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, so we found him. And after looking at it, we actually found out that when that arrow hit, I put a good shot on him, but when that arrow hit, those expandable blades popped open and it caused that arrow to kick. And when that arrow kicked, it shot my uh, broadhead oh what do I want to say because he was quartering away it shot it down so I only clipped one lung is what happened and uh, so basically my arrow deflected off of his ribs which obviously caused a lot of problems which the shot looked good because that's where I thought I hit him but when it went in it deflected sideways which you wouldn't be able to see so that's when I was like, man, these expandables just aren't the answer for me because I never want to go through this again. And I know this is a long-winded story, but who doesn't like talking about their uh, deer hunt for the year? And like I said, I'll provide pictures and all that stuff on my uh, Instagram and Facebook account for this podcast um, because he he's one of the biggest deer I've ever shot and seen in person, obviously. But uh, he's scored 150 inches, which I know a lot of people out there, they get 170, 180, but you don't really see that in my area too often. Uh, the biggest buck before this I had was 100 and probably 30 inches. So uh, this was a monster to me, and I almost lost him. And I lost a doe that year. Like I said, I never lost deer. Uh, I've lost one deer in 12 years of hunting. And... The only thing I can attribute to losing that one deer I did lose was I hit it in no man's land. It was a bad shot on me. We found meat, no blood. And that was with a fixed blade. But uh, other than that, I have never missed a deer or had one get lost. Um, most of the time, I've seen the deer drop. 
so that made me really question these uh, question these fixed blade broadheads which I thought most of the problem with fixed blade broadheads was going to be or I mean with a uh, expandable broadheads I thought the biggest problem with expandable broadheads was going to be the actual deployment of the blades but here I'm finding out that's not the problem like the problem I was having was the deflecting from the blades opening up which I know some people like they've said rages haven't opened up and uh, uh, there's another one out there I can't think of it offhand but uh so that was my fear because that's why I thought man this hybrid's perfect you got a one inch cut even if it doesn't open up you're at least getting that bleeder through there to get him to get a that dead deer and if it does open up great you got a big hole and these broadheads made a big hole like I have the pictures made a great hole but it deflected my arrow and made it so the shot wasn't going to the right spot because when that broadhead hit it started to open up and it hit on the one rib and when it hit that rib it deflected all the energy and flipped that arrow through him and uh you know I, I see a lot of the hunting public and stuff like that they're really starting to talk about how bad or how they don't recommend uh mechanicals and i'm starting to really believe that because after this year just the way that i saw that arrow hit that doe and it flipped out sideways i think it happened the exact same way because I think it hit her, that opened up, hit a rib, and it deflected back. Because it's just her angle was a little different. So that's why this year I'm going to be trying out a bunch of different broadheads. Which, long story short, that's what I'm getting to. Is you guys got to try different things. Um, I'm trying to uh, different arrow combinations, different broadhead and arrow combinations. Uh, I'm not just sticking with name brand broadheads. I'm trying some other ones out there. You know, try some of these new ones that are coming up. People are engineering different things and trying out different things. I mean, why would you not take every opportunity to try them? I mean, some of these, like Tooth of the Arrow, I think I'm going to try. If you're not 100% satisfied, American made. But if you're not 100% satisfied, they'll, they'll refund your money for the broadheads. Like, don't be afraid to try new things. Like, and I have no affiliation with any of these, you know what I mean? Uh, I try to support American Made. I actually run a small uh, business for hunting products and stuff like that, so I try to uh, I try to support American Made as much as possible. But uh, it's not a game changer because I also want I also expect success out of whatever I'm using. You know what I mean? So I'm not just going to buy American Made just because it's American Made. It's got to perform as well. And I think that's a big thing, too, because I don't think you can get stuck on stuff like that. Everything needs to work the way it's supposed to in order to earn my business, um, which is the way I sell my products, too, because if it don't work, I would understand why customers wouldn't want to come back. So, uh, yeah, I think that's something to think about. Um, as far as bows go, though, I really think people get stuck on brands, and I know they do it in arrows, too, like a lot of people like Easton's. I'm not bashing Easton. I've actually tried a couple of them. Not a big fan of their hit insert system, personally. I've heard about too many failures with that. And actually, uh, one of my arrows I'm using right now is deer crossing. And uh, I'm going to actually start that build here this week. And I got the deer crossing silencers. They're super heavy, super micro diameter. So I'm really excited to see that because I feel like having that micro diameter and a heavy hitting arrow Feel like you're gonna get penetration through anything and I want to I want to be able to break bones if I have to because I want this deer to go down as quickly as possible as ethically as possible but as far as trying different bows and arrows and everything 
I really suggest you get out to your local pro shop, you know what I mean? Support them. Uh, don't just go and order it online. Try out different bows. I mean, a lot of these places, they'll even offer, like, if you have a good customer relationship, they'll even let you test out arrows and stuff there. So don't just think you have to buy it. Reach out and ask. Say, hey, do you have any arrows? Maybe they cut them too long or too short. Maybe they'll give you a discount. Maybe they'll just let you try them. Um, but I really think it's important that we try different things every year because... Uh, if you're not an archery nut like I am, I mean, at the very least, you owe it to the animal to give the most ethical shot. And the reason I'm really opened my eyes is over this bow because the hand shock, I mean, the hand shock and how quiet it was won me. Um, I really think that we owe it to ourselves as archers because I put a lot of time in shooting. I put a lot of time into shooting, setting up. And if I'm not getting 100% performance out of everything I'm using, what am I doing? I mean, am I out here just trying to waste my time? Because I'm not. I want to become a better archer. And uh, I think with us being brand loyal that we're really sacrificing our top potential. Because if you start trying out different things and finding out, you know, that bow shoots a little bit better, has a little smoother draw cycle, you can hold it a little steadier because of it all. You know, try, and the big thing is, is you might find out getting into like that 50 or 60 shots, you start to notice a difference and you might say, well, I'm not a target shooter, 50, 60 shots, that's nothing. I'll never see that. I go out and shoot five, six arrows a night, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something. You start getting into the hunting season, you start hiking, you know, you start climbing a hill and you get to the top and you're absolutely whooped. It's the same effect because you're getting worn out. You know what I mean? So you need to be prepared. And a lot of times when I'm shooting bow, I'm out here, I'll take a couple shots, run to the target, run back, get that heart rate up. So you kind of simulate what adrenaline is. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like if you try out different things, um, you, you see the difference in them. Hand shock was a big one for me. You start getting tired, you get less hand shock. You're more likely to hold that bow still whenever that shot goes off. So that was a big deal to me. And you guys might have something different. You might want that smooth draw cycle. No bow is perfect, in my opinion, yet. Uh, at least I haven't come across one yet. But I'm definitely going to be trying them out. And you never know. You might find that perfect bow someday. And there's things I don't like about the Matthews. But I think this year it's going to—it's definitely going to be my setup. Maybe next year I might try some more and see if I can't find a better setup. Because I really think that's what it's all about. Is we really got to chase perfection. We've got to chase what the best thing is. Like, uh, how do I get that best shot? How do I feel the most comfortable while shooting? Um, so that's, that's why I said, don't even stop at bows. It stops at, it doesn't stop at arrows. Try broadheads, try releases. Um, there's, there's even some places out there that do rentals. I mean, you can rent stuff online and send it in. Uh, you know, it didn't even start with just a bow. It starts with hunting equipment in general. Uh, last year, my brother had been talking me into doing saddle hunting, and I was like, no, I'm a bigger guy. I don't like uh, hang-ons just because I don't trust them. And then when he said saddle, I was like, oh, hell no. There's no way I'm going to do that. Uh, he ended up bringing out his saddle last season, probably August. Uh, season starts end of September. And he brought his saddle out, and he said, just try it. So I have a telephone pull out here that's not in use anymore. And uh, he set his steps up on it, and we climbed up it, and we were shooting around to 80 yards, and he let me feel how comfortable it was. And I was 
I was pretty much in awe. I was like, I feel secure to the tree, which is something I don't feel very often. Ladder stand hunting mostly is what I do. And uh, the fact that I have like under 10 pounds of stuff is what I carry into the woods now and I can hunt any tree is absolutely astonishing to me. And I think that's what I'm saying is you just got to be able to try different things. Don't necessarily have to commit to different things, but just try them. Because if you go out and you get a saddle system and you really like it, why would you, uh, you're not going to be disappointed, you know what I mean? You're not going to, you're not going to, why, why not waste your time on it? Because, you know, I feel like this year I'm more prepared for deer season than I ever have because I'm, I'm going to be hunting different spots I don't normally hunt because I can get to them. You know, I can walk an extra mile because I don't have something on my back or I'm not carrying, it doesn't take two people to carry something in. And uh, I'm actually going to start using that saddle a lot more this year, too, because I'm going to be able to climb up into a tree. You know, maybe I've seen a deer, uh, had a lot of sign of a deer hitting that rub, scrapes, whatever. I'm not stuck to that one tree that's 50 yards away from it. I can get up in that deer's business. So uh, that's all this episode's about is I really want to stress just trying different things. Um, try different combinations of things. Get your archery set up good. Get your hunting equipment good. Um, you know, and understand too, it's not just trying different things. It's not always going to be successful. Like I've had leap and bounds this last year because I've tried different things that have worked out, you know, saddle worked out, bow worked out, arrows are working out pretty good. But I've also went through a lot of years where I'm trying things, trying broadheads and things just are not working good and it does suck. But, uh, you have to take that chance and cause whenever you hit that, uh, perfection, that you're aiming for, it's really going to be mind-blowing. And I really think it'll make a difference in your hunting season, your target uh, target season, whatever, however you want to call that. But uh, I haven't even hit target yet. This is kind of, I just got this in May, so I'm pretty much done with target. I haven't really done a lot of 3D this year like I normally do just because my bow's not ready yet. I'm still playing around with combinations of everything. But uh but yeah, just try different things, guys, and uh, let me know what you guys think about this episode, if there's anything you'd like to hear more of, and uh, a little sneak peek of the next week's episode is I'm going to be hunting a new state, so I'm going to want some uh, opinions from you guys in the comments, kind of want to know what you guys think of some of the stuff I saw this past weekend. We went down into a scouting trip this last weekend, and I'd really like to know what you guys think, and... Uh, how you guys think I should hunt this because it's something new to me. Uh, I'm going one state south, so I'm going down to Kentucky. So uh, looking forward to some opinions on that. Um, if you guys got any questions, feel free to comment, message us on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, we'll get back with you. But uh, thanks for listening and have a good one.